Oh, church, say amen. 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 Grab your Bible. Grab your Bible and turn with me to Acts chapter number 12. Acts chapter number 12. Man, it is, I tell you what, we got a really good crowd for a tornado coming through. This is great. This is great. All right. All right. All right, we're going to mute the internet to mess with all the people at home. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Don't do that. All right. Hey, we got to have a lot of volume. I can hear that rain. They're going to need to. They're going to need to hear me. How many of you, how many of you have been looking on social media and, and I'm not going to get on to you like Sunday. That was enough. I hope y'all got the point from that. But, uh, you, you see videos that people post or a picture or something and, and, and in, before they start the video or before they, 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 they play the video, they put it right above it. Wait for it. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Wait for it. And, and, and what they're telling you is. Uh, you got to be patient because the good part is at the end. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? And they know, they know that we by nature are impatient. Do I have a witness? Amen. That if something don't happen right away, we're going to go on to the next whatever. And we get frustrated and we don't get the goody out of it. Well, sometimes life is that way. Sometimes when, when God is writing the chapter of our life, it doesn't seem like it's supposed to seem. If God is a God of love and he loves us like we were his only children and, and that we are the apple of his eye and the things that's happening, it doesn't seem like God loves us. It doesn't even seem like God cares about us sometimes the way life is turning out. But I'm going to tell you tonight, from what we're going to learn in this chapter, God's saying, wait on it. Because when we read the first few verses, it's bad. It's bad. But there's a colon, there's a colon in verse number five, I believe it is. And what he is saying up until now, it's bad, but wait for it it. because it's going to turn okay. And all God's people say it. All right, let's read. Let's read. Chapter 12 is where we stopped last time. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. Vex means to torture, to persecute, to vex certain of the church. And he killed, that's pretty bad, wouldn't you say? He killed James, the brother of John. This is, this is one of the fishermen. If you'll remember, one of the fishermen that Jesus had called and said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Uh, he was a follower of Jesus. He was one of the original apostles. And now he's dead. He's been martyred. He's the first martyr of the apostles. Matter of fact, the only one recorded in the New Testament of how he died. It says he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. It was around Passover season. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions. I practice that word all day. Quaternions, say it with me, quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison. What's the punctuation mark? Colon. That means... Wait for it. Herod has attacked the church and attacked God's work. Herod has killed James, the brother of John, one of the beloved apostles. 
He's arrested the main character in the beginning of the book of Acts, the apostle Peter, who was, who was a major leader in the church, and it's going from bad to worse. But wait for it. And all God's people say it. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for your blessings, your mercy, your kindness. Thank you for the privilege of being in your house. Thank you for all these people. Lord, I, I'm blown away. Uh, the, the weather's horrible outside. It's supposed to be really bad, but they came. And they're here to study your word. And Lord, I know they're not going to be disappointed because this, this message encouraged me. And I know it'll encourage them. Lord, sometimes life is tough and difficult and hard. But God, we got to wait till you're finished. We got to wait till you finish the chapter before we determine whether you know what you're doing or not. Lord, we, we, we need to wait for it. I pray your perfect will be done. Move on us tonight. Give me the strength and the, and the wisdom and the Holy Spirit to deliver your word. Don't let me say anything I shouldn't. And Lord, don't let me forget anything I should. And Lord, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Here's what I want to do. Here's what I want to do. <clears throat> Instead of reading the whole chapter and then coming back and dissecting it, let's, let's take it a little bit at a time and take it by the points and, and, and see what God has for us today. All right? Look in the top of your notes. Look in the top of your notes. In, in Ecclesiastes 3.11, it says, He hath made, what? Everybody say it. Come on. He hath made everything, what? When? In his time. In his time. Say, preacher, I don't know what is going on in my life. I don't either, but I know he has the ability to make it beautiful in his, in his time. In his time. I don't know why God does some of the stuff he does, but I do know this. He's good and he's right. No matter what, I've got to know that. And I've got to convince myself that. I've got to know that he loves me. I got to know that he cares about me. I got to know that he has a plan for my life. I got to know that he knows the future better than I do. And he makes everything, the good, the bad, the sad, the happy, the hurtful, the painful, the ha whatever it might be, he can turn it to something beautiful in his. But that means sometimes I got to wait for it. I got to wait for it. Now, how many of y'all will be honest with me that you, you, you're going to say, I'm kind of like you, preacher, that that's not, a real, that's not a real good strong suit on my side? I'm not real good at that. I'm just not. I mean, I, 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 I prayed the other day, God, give me patience and give it to me now. <laughs> you know, that don't, that don't work, right? In his time, in his time. Now, here's how we're going to start this chapter. First thing I want you to do is write this down. First, we see a satanic attack. We see a satanic attack. Uh, this Herod, this particular Herod, uh, it, when you, if, if, you'll go, if you'll go to Israel with me in December, you're going to be able to see a lot of stuff connected with the Herods. Uh, the word Herod is more like a title than it is a name because there was multiple Herods, Okay. We had Herod the Great. Now, Herod the Great was the one who, who helped restore the temple, and he, did, he, he built some major, major uh, 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 buildings and, and palaces and fortresses 
And he, he named himself Herod the Great, by the way. He's a little on the arrogant side. But he did, he was a great builder, but he was not a great man. Say amen. He was the one who killed the babies in, in Bethlehem. If that'll help you remember when the, the wise men didn't go back to him and tricked him and he went in and killed the babies, trying to kill the baby Jesus. That's Herod the Great. Well, then you, have, then you had Herod Antipas, all right? That was one of the brothers. <clears throat> and then you had Aristobulus. Aristobulus was a son of Herod the Great. Aristobulus was killed by his own father. And this Herod is Herod Agrippa, all right? Herod Agrippa first. Sorry, say that with me. Herod Agrippa, which would make him the grandson of Herod the Great. All right? He's the grandson of Herod the Great. Now, keep this in mind. These were not Jews. They were Edomites. All right? They were hated by the Jews. They didn't, the Jews didn't like that fact. All right? But they were, they were given their authority and given their power by Rome. Are y'all with me? Now, the problem with this Herod, Herod Agrippa, he had, a, <laughs> he had a problem with debt. And he left a lot of debt in Rome, and he was not on real good standings with Rome. And so he really needed the Jewish people to be on his side. Are y'all with me? Say amen. He really needed to be uh, 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 very much on, I don't want to say on their side, but he needed their favor so that he didn't get in trouble with Rome. Does that make sense? So he reached out and he took James and killed him. He assassinated James because the Jewish people hated this new cult, which is Christianity. All right? They thought it was an affront to Judaism. It was an attack on their way of life and their culture. So they hated Christians. They hated Peter. They hated James. They hated all the apostles. So Herod thought, hey, I'm going to make them happy by killing these Christians. And guess what? It worked. When he took James, when he took James, uh, they were happy. They enjoyed that. They liked it. So he said, hey, if they were that happy over killing James... Man, what do you think they're going to do when I kill Peter? So he had Peter arrested too. All right? If that makes sense, say amen. Now, here's what I want to show you about this attack, though. Before we go uh, through this, this, this outline, write this down. First, I want you to see the timing. The timing of this attack. The timing of this attack. Back up, back up to chapter number 11. Back up to chapter number 11 and look in verse 21. Look in verse 21. It's right there in your notes if you don't want to look it up. But chapter 11, verse 21. Let's all read it together. Read it out loud because it's so loud in here. Let's read it. And the... All right, now let's read it again. Let's read it again in concert, and I'll read it so they can hear us on the web, all right? And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Now, now here's what I want to do, all right? You got your paper? Are y'all on the same page, or do you have to flip it to get to chapter 12, verse 1? All right, so grab your paper so you can flip. We're going to read this verse, and then read the first line of chapter 12. Okay, let's do it again. Now, now have your paper ready to flip. You might, some of y'all may not have to. It may be on the same side, but I'm going to have to turn my page. So we're going to read verse 11, or excuse me, chapter 11, verse 21, 
and then right after read chapter 12, verse 1. If everybody understands that, say amen. All right. If you don't, just follow along. All right. Chapter 11, verse 21. Let's read. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Chapter 12, verse 1. Now about that, do you get it now? What's going on? The church is exploding. The hand of the Lord was on those there in Antioch and was there in Jerusalem. God is blessing. God is saving. His power in His hand is being evident. And people are coming to know the Lord. People are believing on the Lord. The church is expanding and growing. And about that... If you want the devil to attack you, do something for the kingdom. Because I promise you, if you step out in faith and you do something for the Lord, you can mark it down. I hate to quote old Cam Newton, but when, the, when, when God be blessing, the devil be messing. Amen? Do you know we can trace back here at the church, we can trace back just about every time that, that, that when God goes to move and, and, and God goes to blessing and people start getting saved, the devil is right behind him attacking. He's right behind him trying to stop the work of God. Don't be surprised when the devil attacks. Don't be surprised when he comes your way. Because if you are, because the first thing that happens, first thing that happens is, is people begin to feel like, oh my goodness, I'm doing something wrong. Because every time something bad happens, we automatically associate it with a whooping. God must be mad at me. I must have done something wrong. Why is this happening to me? Listen, it may be happening to you not because you did something wrong, but because you're doing something right. About that time. This is no accident. It's no accident that, that Satan is attacking the church. Now watch this. There's something significant about this too. Not only do we see the timing of the attack, but we see the target, the target in the attack. Say that with me. The, the target in the attack. Now what's, what's key and significant about that? First, he attacks James, one of the apostles. All right? How many of y'all realize and remember that the apostles were the foundation of the church. So what is he doing? He's trying to attack the foundations. Peter, he's an apostle. Okay. Now here's the thing. What is, what is the devil going to do? He's going to target the leaders who are making a difference in the movement of God. Now, now let me, let me help you with that. Let me help you with that. A lot of you in here, a lot of you in here, that's not going to affect you initially. But some of you here are leaders. And listen, we need, and when I say we, I'm talking about all the leaders at Temple Baptist Church. We need everybody in here to do what these leaders did or these people did for their leaders. Because I promise you, Satan will target God's men. Satan will target God's ladies. Satan will target leaders. If he can get the leaders, he can get the followers. 
Man, Dr. Brown preached a message one time on the cedars of Lebanon. The cedars of Lebanon. And he used the illustration of the big, massive cedars. And, and, and all, all around the, the, those big, massive cedars was little seedlings. Baby cedars. And he, he said this, and man, I've never been able to shake it. He said... He said, everybody talks about the big cedar that falls and the, and the, and the, and the shame of the big cedar that falls and, and how sad it is that a big cedar falls. But he says, what a lot of people don't realize is they don't see all the seedlings that get crushed when the big cedar falls. What are you saying? How many churches have been destroyed because Satan was able to get at the leader in that church? You know, I don't want to spend too much time on this because I don't want to paint no more bigger target on my back than it's already there. But I promise you this, I desperately need your prayers. Some of the biggest attacks on me personally in my own personal life and, and family and my health is when God has moved in a great way. The highest point in our church's history, I went through one of the darkest times in depression that I've ever felt and faced in my life. And that was not an accident. It was timing and it was targeted. So what am I saying? Pray for your leaders. Pray for the people that are, listen, in leadership positions in this church. Pray for each other because I promise you, Satan will target God's people. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. Now listen, we see the satanic attack. Secondly, secondly, don't you see this? Don't you see the saints' activity? Write that down. The saints' activity. Look what it says in verse 5. Look what it says in verse 5. From verse 1 to the first part of verse 5, it looks pretty bad. It looks pretty bad. James has been killed. They've arrested Peter. He's been in, he's been in, in, in jail. Some, some uh, commentary said about a week. He's waiting for the Easter season to be over. And, and he's, he did it on purpose for Passover because there would be a lot of people there, a lot of the Jews there. The more Jews there, the merrier because he could kill them in front of them and get that, many, that much more credit with them. And so we see in verse 5, Peter therefore was kept in prison. What's the next word? But. But. Thank God for the buts in the Bible. Everything looked bad. But God's people was praying. God's people was praying. Now watch this. There's something significant about that. The Bible says, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Now three things I see in that one verse. Three things. First, A, it was unified prayer. Write that down. It was unified prayer. What does it say? Prayer was made without ceasing of the Church. Now look in verse, look in verse 12. Look in verse 12 of that same chapter. Verse 12. And when they had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark. Read it with me. Where, come on everybody. Where many were gathered together, they were unified. Do you want, you want a, a church with power? Get a unified church. You want a church that's weak and powerless? Get a divided church. You say, how do, how do you get a divided church? 
You have a church with a bunch of different agendas, a bunch of different personalities, a bunch of different preferences, a bunch of different wants and desires. Listen, that will never work. A house, we, what do we study Sunday? A house divided against itself will not, it will not stand. But guess what? They were together. They were come unified around a unified purpose. We see they had a problem. They had an issue and they all come together and they forgot about their own needs and they forgot about their own problems and they saw this need with the apostle Peter and they were unified in their effort. Preacher, what do we got to do today? We need to get unified around getting the gospel to people who don't have it. We need to get unified around the gospel and bringing people to Christ and winning people to Christ. I don't know about you, but our country's in a mess. Do you see it? We need to be unified. We don't need to be divided. We don't need to be separated. We don't need to be fussing and fighting and carrying on. Thank God that we've, 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 listen, that's not been an issue so far in our church. God has protected us from that. And I hope he continues to protect us from that. You know how we stay that way? Stay unified under the gospel. And do, listen, let the main thing be the main thing. And that is getting people to Jesus. Amen. They were unified. Say that with me. They were, come on, everybody say it. They were unified then watch this watch this they were focused they were focused look at look at Matthew 18 it's right there under underneath a and b but Matthew 18 19 this is Jesus speaking and he's talking about prayer and getting prayer answered watch what he says he says again I say unto you that if two of you If two of you shall do what? Agree. Agree. That word basically means harmony. Means you're in unity. You're together, right? If you shall agree on earth as what? Touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Now watch this. Shall agree is unity. Touching anything, that's focus. Look look where we find this. Verse 5. Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for... Hey, there wasn't people in there praying for a breakthrough. There wasn't people in there praying for prosperity. There wasn't people in there in there praying to get a new house or, or a new chariot. Are y'all with me? They were all praying for him. In other words, they were focused. They were focused. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if the body of Christ could get focused? Can you imagine? I've 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 we have, we have churches all the time. We have churches all the time calling us, asking for help. How do you do this? How do you, how do you do that? Can you help us? Our church is dying. I just got a letter. I just got a letter from a, a friend of mine, and I, I've got to respond to him. And, and, and he, said, he said, I'm fixing to turn 60, and I'm on the younger end of, of the people in our church, and our church used to be vibrant, and it used to be exciting, and it used to be growing, but we're dying. Can you help us? Can you help us? 
And I've gone into church after church after church. I've taken some of our staff with me or Brother Dustin with me, and I'll usually sit down. As many people will come. As many people will come from their leadership to the people in the pew. Just come. And usually it's a handful. And I'll pass out index cards to everybody. I'll pass out index cards to everybody. And this is usually the first question. This is usually the first question I ask. What is the purpose of this church? What is the purpose of this church? Fill out your index card. and Boy, everybody's excited. They're, they're writing down, writing down. If we have 14 people, how many, how many different answers do you think we're going to have? Everybody's so divided. Everybody has their own idea or, or now, if, if powerful prayer is focused prayer, how are we going to have focused prayer if everybody's praying for something different? Now, I know, I know we're getting out on a limb a little bit on here, but I don't, I don't think there's no way possible, no way possible to miss the application here that, man, they had, they had one thing on their mind, and that was for the deliverance of the Apostle Peter. Could we all agree on that? Now, here's the thing. I, I don't know if y'all remember this or not. Some of y'all will. Uh, I'm not sure anybody in here was in that, that original meeting. Brother, Brother Chris Barnes probably was. Uh, but one of the very first meetings I had with the men, we was in the little building down there. We just had a handful of people. And, and I, had everybody, I had everybody turn to their favorite song in the songbook. We had songbooks back then. Favorite song. Turn to your favorite song in the songbook. Chris, you remember this? And everybody, everybody turned to their favorite song. And they're all looking at me. I said, all right, let's do it. Let's sing. Here we go. And they're like, what? I said, no, really. Come on, let's sing. And man, some was on I'll Fly Away, some was on Amazing Grace, some was on I'd Rather Be an Old Time Christian Than Anything I Know. You know, some was on all kind of different things. Everybody had their faith. We started singing. And I said, louder. And I mean, it was, y'all, y'all can't imagine how God awful this was. And the louder they, and they just started laughing. And it was so funny. And it was. And they thought I was just doing that just to be humorous. I said, okay, 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 all right. And whatever, whatever page Amazing Grace was in the book, I said, turn to such and such a page. Let's all turn to one page. I said, let's try this again. And we started singing Amazing Grace. And you can't imagine the difference. There was harmony. There was unity. We were together. I said, guys, this is the only way this is going to work. Now watch this. That's right, preacher. We need to be focused and we need to be together. The only way we can do this is to have a leader and follow that leader. We can't have all kind of different opinions. We can't have all kind of different preferences. Can't, can't, as, as much as I said what I said Sunday about getting on social media and, and putting foolish things on there, some people still felt like they need to go on social media and criticize what's going on here. I mean, right after I said, was you not in the church service Sunday? Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here, here's, hey, shh, shh, shh. here's, 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 here's my, 
my, my assessment of the deal. If you don't like what's going on here, there's other churches to go to. And getting on Facebook and making posts about what you don't like is not going to change anything. It's not going to change anything. All it's going to do is give Temple a black eye to somebody who don't even know Jesus. And let me tell you this. You will give account. You will give account. Be careful. Be careful. Listen, we have to be focused. We have to set our preferences at the door. We have to set our opinions at the door. We have to find the one that God has put there, follow that leader, and be focused in our prayers. Not only unified. Say it with me. They, it was a unified prayer. Say it with me. It was a unified prayer. Then it was a focused prayer. It was focused on the deliverance of the apostle Peter. But then see, not only was it focused, but it was also constant. Look what it says. But prayer was made without what? Ceasing of the church unto God for him. Here's the thing. When you're praying for a problem or praying for a need, keep praying. Keep praying. Come on, say it with me. Keep keep, keep, say it again. Y'all say this. So y'all say this word with me. Push. Push. Call. Say it again. Push. Spell it. Come on. Pray until something happens. What if nothing's happening? Keep praying. Say it with me. Come on, people. I've got to get this thing finished, all right? You ready? Say it with me. Now, something's going to happen. God's either going to move like we're fixing to read, or God's going to say no. Now, you think, that, 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 but, 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 but. How many of y'all remember when Paul prayed three times for God to remove the thorn? Y'all remember that? Now, God didn't answer his prayer the way he asked it, but he gave him a reason why. So what's the point? If God doesn't answer your prayer in the way you asked it, he will always show you why. And Paul, he said, Paul, if I take that thorn away, you've got so, so... much of abundant of blessings of revelation that you're going to get prideful. And if you get prideful, I can't use you. And Paul said, well, in that case, I will rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So listen, here's the thing. Say, preacher, you mean to tell me this pain I'm going through, God may not take it away? That might be the case. But if he doesn't take it away, he will always give you the grace to deal with it. What did he tell Paul? He said, I will not remove this thorn, but my grace is what? Sufficient for thee. And all God's people say it. All right. Now look, we see the saints' activity. Satan's attack. The saints go to praying. And by the way, this is not the first time we've seen this. There's been many times that that, that Satan has attacked and the church went to praying. And God went to answering. Say amen. Number three, 
I want you to see the sovereign answer. The sovereign answer. Verses 6 through 11. Verses 6 through 11. And when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. Now, the, the quaternions of soldiers, that means there was 16, four at a time, four at each watch, two chained to him and two at the door. Say, what in the world was all that security for? They done remembered he done been in jail one time and got out. They're going to make sure he don't get out this time, right? And so Herod, this is what's happened. He's been arrested. He's been in there a few days, and he plans on executing him the next day. Now, we know this is late at night because Peter's sleeping. So I believe this is what takes place. The, the church gets together, and they understand the next day he's going to be executed and probably going to be beheaded like James was. And because of that, they're having an all-night prayer meeting. He's sleeping, but they are praying. praying. Now, let me tell you something. Do you know how great it would be to have, listen, the kind of people that are praying hard enough for you so as, as a leader in the church, you're fixing to be executed, but you got enough peace, you can just go right to sleep. Isn't that great? Now, look at this. Look what it says. It says he was chained to two soldiers, and behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side. That's great. Hey, get up, boy. He smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he saith unto him, Cast thy garment about thee and follow me. And he went out and followed him. And wist not that it was true, which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. He really thought he was dreaming this. He really did. And when they were past the first and the second ward, they came unto the iron gate that leadeth into the city, which opened to uh, them of his own accord. And they went out and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord has sent his angel and hath and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. So A, write this down. God answered their prayer. He delivered the preacher. He delivered the preacher. He answered their prayer. Then, then I want you to see this. And this is really, really good. This is going to help somebody. And when he had considered the thing, in other words, he thought about this. This, this is kind of the way I see this. He sees I'm, I'm free, I'm delivered. He knows because words got to him, they've been praying for him. And this is, I believe, the way, well, I need to go let them know I'm free. They've been praying for me. I need to go let them know I'm okay. All right, so that's what's happening. Watch this right here. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken named Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. 
In other words, she was so excited and so jacked up, she didn't even let him in. I mean, this is great. Peter's at the door. I got to go tell everybody. So what happens? Let's go. And it says, watch this. You, you, <laughs> this, is, this is the way this should be. Man, they're here. They're praying all night. And someone comes in and says, your prayers are answered. They should have said, well, glory to God. Praise the Lord. But that ain't what they done. <laughs> this is what they said. You're crazy. Woman, you, you, you lost your mind. What's wrong with you? You're crazy. No, really. It's him. I'm telling you, it's him. And then they say this. Well, it must be his guardian angel. Now, I know what you're thinking. Why are you making such a big deal about this? Here's, here's <laughs> there is a movement there is a group of people that will tell you that if your prayers are not being answered, it's because you don't have enough faith. And the reason that you don't have health and wealth and prosperity and you're not getting your prayers answered is because you don't have enough faith. But if you have enough faith, that'll get your prayers answered. Well, I don't know about you, but I don't see a whole lot of faith right here. Because they can't believe he answered. Y'all not picking up what I'm putting down. These are not, I don't, I don't see great faith in this story. I don't, I don't see, you know, pray without doubting. Don't doubt when you pray. Well, I get that. They're here praying, and then when God answers their prayer, they can't believe he did it. Does anybody else see what I'm seeing? What's the point? Your level of prayer is not going to determine whether God does it. Here's here's what I want to encourage you with. Here's what I want to encourage you with. Do you remember the man who had a child had major problems. And he said, will you please heal my son? Will you please heal my son? And Jesus says, if you'll believe, if you'll believe, you know what he said? This is what he said. Man, I can, I can, I can relate to this so big. I can relate to this so much. He said, Lord, he said, I believe, but help my unbelief. You know what he's saying? I'm trying. I I believe that's where these people are. Guess what? They believed enough to pray, but they didn't have great faith. They were shocked that he even answered their prayer. Now, here's my thing. I would rather pray and not have all the faith I should as not pray at all. Preacher, I'm supposed to pray with faith. They're not doubting, but I'm struggling to doubt. Pray anyway. Pray anyway. Preacher, I'm struggling. Pray anyway. I don't know if he'll do it. Pray anyway. I'm not sure if he can. Pray anyway. Pray, pray anyway. 
Somebody say amen. Here's what I see. In his answer to prayer, he not only delivered the preacher, he developed the people. What do you think happened to their faith when Peter stood at the door? I guarantee you it made them stronger to want to pray the next time. Preacher, I'm not seeing an answer. Keep praying. I don't know if I can do it. Keep praying. I don't know what God's doing in my life. Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. God may move in such a way that will blow your mind. The Bible uses the word astonished. Astonished. Say, preacher, I struggle with little faith. Pray anyway. Pray anyway. And all God's people say it. Listen, this is so good. This, you're going to love this. In God's answer, he delivered the preacher. He developed the people. He strengthened their faith. But then see, he destroyed the persecutors. He destroyed the persecutors. Now, here's what I I, kind of use my imagination a little bit. These soldiers are chained to this puny prisoner. And, and, And listen, Romans hated hated Jews, and they really hated Christians. Because Christianity taught humility. And that was really against their culture. So they really despised Christians and Christianity. And so I imagine there's a whole lot of jawing going on. And he just slept right through it. But guess what happens? I'm going to just speak through this. You, you, you go, well, let's read it. We got time. We got time. We'll hurry. <clears throat> Look what happens. Verse 18. Now, as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers that was become of Peter. In other words, this caused a major ruckus. And the reason was is because in that day, whatever, whatever judgment was going to go against the prisoner it would be followed through on the guard if they lost the prisoner. So if the prisoner was to be beaten, they would beat the guard. If the prisoner was to be executed, they would execute the guard. If that makes sense, say amen. So man, there's a problem. They're looking, they're looking, they're looking, they can't find him. And when Herod sought for him and found him not, he examined, he interrogated the keepers and commanded they should be put to... It's amazing how things change. Now, you wouldn't have seen that in the first four verses. It looked bad in the first four verses, but my, how things have changed. Are y'all with me? He put them to death, and he's so upset about it, he's not going to get his chance to show out to the Jewish people. And Herod himself went down from Judea to Caesarea, and there abode. And Herod was highly displeased with them of Tyre and Sidon. Now, Tyre and Sidon was cities further up north, right on the coast. It was out of his jurisdiction, but they would trade. They would trade and do commerce with uh, uh, the people there that, that Herod was responsible for. And so basically they were getting food from him. And so they really upset him. It doesn't say how or doesn't say why. But as a politician, he's not very happy with him. So what happens? The Bible says in verse 20, And Herod was highly displeased with them of Tyre and Sidon, but they came with one accord, and having made Blastus the king's chamberlain their friend, 
In other words, they bribed. That's politics, amen. They desired peace because their country was nourished by the king's country. And upon a set day, Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat upon his throne and made an oration unto them. And the people gave a shout saying, it is the voice of a God and not of a man. All right, so let's talk about this a minute. Can you, you got my pictures? They got my pictures, Brother Chris. All right, this is the theater. This is a theater. We got to stand right there and go up them steps and, and there were several groups that were singing there. But this is the original theater that Herod the Great built. This is the theater that we're reading about right now. The historian Josephus said that Herod Agrippa, this matter of fact, matter of fact, if you're standing, let's just say I'm standing in the seating area. If you was to look to the far right there, you would see the ruins of the palace of Herod the Great. It was basically the beach house of where he would be staying. So he left that palace and came into this, right what you're seeing, the original, this is the original theater. And he has given his speech right here. But what Josephus says is that he had a silver gown. He had a silver gown made out of real silver. And when he came into the theater, he was glistening. And he was shining because it was early in the morning and the shot, the, the sun was reflecting. On, and, and by the way, right that way is the water, is the Mediterranean. So the sun, the, sun, the sun was shining off the water to the back and off of that silver uh, uh, robe that he was wearing. And he was, for, like Jerry Clower said, he was forevermore given a speech. And can you imagine this sight? And what it looked like, here he is glistening and, and the silver is shining and it looks like he's glowing in the sun. And man, the people are just building him up. He's a God, he's a God. And boy, he is eating it up. The only problem is, is God said he would share his glory with no man. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. The Bible says, and immediately the angel of the Lord smote him. Wait a minute. That's, that's what he did to Peter. The angel of the Lord smote Peter. Hey, get up. Get up. I wonder if it was the same angel. And the Bible says he smote him. Because he gave not God the glory. And he was eaten of worms. And he gave up the ghost. This is what Dr. Gene Sloat Morton says about the phrase, eaten of worms. The phrase eaten of worms in Greek is skolokotobrotus. The root word skolax means a specific head structure of a tapeworm. Since the word scolex, in which plural is scolices, is applied to the head of a tapeworm, Herod's death was almost certainly due to the rupture of a cyst formed by a tapeworm. There are several kinds of tapeworms, but one of the most common ones found in sheep-growing countries is the dog tape. The heaviest infections come from areas where sheep and cattle are raised. Sheep and cattle serve as intermediate hosts for the parasite. 
the dog eats the infected meat, then man gets the eggs from the dog, usually by fecal contamination of hair. The disease is characterized by the formation of cysts, generally on the right lobe of the liver. These may extend down into the abdominal cavity, and the rupture of such a cyst may release as many as 2 million scoliosis, worms, that would hook and attach to the inside of the body. Because the anterior region constitutes the major part of development at this stage, when the cyst ruptures, the entrance of cellular debris along with the scoliosis may cause sudden death. But according to Josephus, he was in agony and pain for five days before he died. Five days. Here's the point. The first four verses look really bad for the church and for God's man. But, wait for it. Because the end of the chapter is vastly different than the beginning of the chapter. In the beginning of the chapter, they went to the funeral of a preacher. And listen, another preacher was waiting on execution. But by the end of the chapter, the preacher's been delivered and the persecutor's been destroyed. Are y'all with me? Now watch. Now watch. Now that would be a good end of the story, right? The good guy's free and the bad guy's dead. But there's something more important. There's something more important. And this is, this is maybe the most important thing you'll ever learn in your life. So I need everybody to look at me and pay attention because we're on the last point. When I look at this story, I may look at it different than a lot of people. When I look at this story, for some reason, and I, I don't know whether it's just the way my brain works, but I think, okay, you delivered Peter. Why'd you let James die? Why him and not him? And sometimes we have this false idea that God does what he does for our sake. God does what he does for our, he heals the sick because he wants them to feel better. He raises the dead because he doesn't want them to be dead. Well, guess what? Lazarus died again. God doesn't do what he does for our sake. God doesn't do what he does for our comfort. And you say, why are you saying all this? Because sometimes we got to get this through our head so that when he does it here and he doesn't do it there, we don't get disgruntled with him because he does what he does. Well, then why does he do what he do? Well, that's not good English. <laughs> why, does he, why does he do what he does? Right? Look at the next verse. Verse 24, verse 24, he del watch this now, watch this now. He delivered the preacher and destroyed the persecutor. Verse 24, but the word of God, what? 
Say it again. I want you to look at number four and we're going to be done. We saw, what was number one? What was number one? We see. Okay, flip your paper, flip your paper, people. Number one, we see Satan's attack. Number two, we see the saint's activity. Number three, we see the sovereign answer. Number four, we see the scriptures abound. Watch what I found. Watch what I found. Now, in chapter 4, in chapter 4, I'm going fl- to just do this fast so we can save some time, all right? From chapter 4 to the point of where we are, Satan is attacking over and over and over and over again. Y'all see that? He's attacking. I'm, I made a list there, all right? In chapter 4, he arrests, he arrests them and threatens them. But then they pray, and the Bible says in verse 33, and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Satan attacks, God blesses. Chapter 5, Satan attacked again with the sin of Ananias and Sapphira. God intervened in that situation. And the Bible says in verse number 14, It says, and believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes both of men and women. Chapter 6, we see Satan attacks again through the murmuring of the church members. The murmuring of the church members. But God intervened and solved the issue. So that in verse 7, and the word of God increased and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. The devil attacked again in chapter number 7 with the stoning of Stephen. But watch what happened. God put somebody there at that stoning. It says in verse 58, and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their feet or their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. Saul. You say, well, how's that a good thing? Because it was Saul who was standing there while they were stoning him. And he heard Stephen say, Father, lay not this sin to their charge. I guarantee you that touched Saul's heart. That began a work in Saul's heart. Saul, which is Paul, he was the greatest missionary there ever was, wrote most of the scriptures in the New Testament. What are you saying, preacher? Even when the Satan attacks and the killing of, 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 of help me, Stephen, God is moving to do something greater with the attack. Are y'all seeing this? Look at this. Look at this. Chapter 8. We see the persecution of Saul. The persecution of Saul. Saul was consenting into his death. And at that time, there was great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were scattered abroad throughout the region. You say, oh, that's terrible. But look what God did with it. Verse 4. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere doing what? Preaching the word. Somebody say amen. Amen. Then chapter 9. Chapter 9. We find Saul persecuting again. Saul is chasing him down. He wants to go to Damascus to arrest Christians and bring them back to Jerusalem to have them executed. But guess what? God intervenes. He intervenes again. Verse 20. It says, after God touched Saul, he says he straightway preached Christ in the synagogues. That he is the son of God. Verse 31. Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee. And and it says, and were edified, walking in the fear of the Lord. And in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. Somebody say amen. But then in chapter 10. 
In chapter 10, Satan tries to fight with the traditions of Peter. God is trying to get Peter's attention. He shows him this vision. And three times he has to get him to shake off the, the hold, the stranglehold of his tradition. But when that took place, look what happened. Verse 44. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. That was when the gospel came to the Gentiles. Somebody say amen. amen. Then in chapter number 11. Then in chapter number 11, Satan fought again. And now he's using the traditions of the church. If y'all remember, listen, the gospel came to the Gentiles and, and Peter's coming back to the church in Jerusalem all happy. Hey, they got, they got the gospel. They got saved. And they said, what are you doing hanging around them Gentiles? Y'all remember? Satan tried to tag again. But guess what? God moved. God moved again. Verse 21. Verse 21, they accepted Peter's testimony. Let's read verse 21. And the hand of the Lord, come on, and the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Now let's go back to verse 24. Satan attacks again in chapter 12 and has Herod to kill James and arrest Peter. But God moved again. Why? Why? Verse 24, but the word of God, come on, come on, everybody, come on. But the word of God grew and multiplied. I read a verse today. I got really hung up in this lesson. Because I wanted to answer that question. I wanted to answer that question. Why did he allow James to die but deliver Peter? Because it seems like we struggle with that a lot. Why do we pray for this person to be healed of cancer and they die, but this person over here gets a good report? And this is what I have to come back to all the time. One... God kind of told me that I didn't tell you why in this chapter. I didn't tell you why. I just told you what happened. But here's what I know. God does all things for his glory. God allowed Peter to be delivered what do you think all them people in that church did when they got there and saw him? They gave God what? What did he do to Herod when he tried to steal God's glory? He killed him. So here's what I got to know. If he delivered Peter for his glory, if he destroyed Herod for his glory, then he allowed what happened to James for his glory. What do you mean? How's God going to get glory out of someone dying? That's a rhetorical question. Watch, watch, watch. Paul is saying in the book of Philippians. Paul is saying, and Paul is in prison awaiting his, awaiting his persecution. And you know what he said? He said, for me to live is Christ. But to die is gain. 
Now, now he is saying this. He's saying this. And I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing this and I'm shortening it up because I'm out of time. He said, I really want to go on and be with Jesus. But if it's more of a benefit and bring more glory to God for me to stay, then I need to stay. He said, it's better for me that I go, but it's better for you that I stay. But this is what he said. This is where, where I'm getting this from. He says, either way, I want to glorify God, whether in my life or by my death. God doesn't heal so you'll be comfortable. God doesn't answer prayer so we will be out of pain or so we'll be out of jail or so our family will come back. God answers prayer to bring Him glory. And here's why I'm saying this. This is a real mature, this is a heavy thought, guys, because immature Christians can't handle this because they have a low image of God. God is God, and He doesn't have to answer to anybody. But if God doesn't answer our prayer the way we ask it, don't get mad at Him. Ask Him, how can I bring glory to you by your deliverance of me or by what you allow me to face? Because he didn't deliver Peter because they were such good prayers. He didn't deliver them because they had such great faith. Didn't we see that? That ain't why. He delivered him for his own glory. And for his purpose. What was his purpose? The multiplication of his word. Did y'all see that? In every chapter, we took it. Chapter 4, chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7, chapter 8. God moved every single time. Satan attacked and God moved. For what purpose? For his glory and the expansion of the gospel. Why will God answer our prayers? If it brings glory to him and it helps his kingdom to grow. That's heavy. I'm telling you, that's a mature thought. And we got to understand, God knows what he's doing. Preacher, my life is falling apart. Well, well, let's put a coal in there. And wait for it. Because see, you may be in chapter 1, 2, and 3. Or excuse me, verse 1, 2, and 3. But watch this, watch this. But verse 24 is on the way. Don't give up on God because someone's been executed and you're sitting in jail because you're only on verse 4. Sometimes you just got to and all God's people see it. Amen. Amen. Let's pray while it's not raining and run to the cars. <clears throat> After you run to the children. Amen. Alright. Lord, thank you so much for your blessings. Thank you for the the time of study, and, and, uh, and, and Lord, you've given us a break in the weather. Lord, let us take advantage of it. In Jesus' name.